0: Individuals themselves didn't see themselves as insolvent. Insolvency is seen as like a big corporation, you know, up to their neck in debt, so they have to go bankrupt. But insolvency with regard to what a personal situation is, is basically if you can't make ends meet at the end of the month, if you're robbing Peter to pay Paul, if you're putting off standing orders and direct debits because you know that the money is not in your account to to pay (laughs) those, if you're finding yourself in a situation whereby, uh, where we found the families, where kids who would have been in two or three activities, you know, they're now being made to choose just one activity because you can't afford the three or four activities that you would have liked them to get involved in. Those are the kinds of sacrifices that people who are insolvent and who are, you know, experiencing real debt difficulties are dealing with. So we found that people were, you know, the letters were coming in the door, maybe with a harp on them, maybe with the bank stamp on them. And they weren't opening those letters; they were shoving them in a drawer. They weren't taking phone calls from numbers that they didn't recognise, so then the credit institutions got a bit clever and they ring ringing out a private number so you're not too sure. So they're ignoring lots of phone calls. They're really not able to deal with the stresses that they're under. Our discussions with MABS and our discussions with FLAC would have led us to, to understand well it's not easy to talk about debt and in some circumstances they talk about marriage breakdown easier than they talk about the financial situation and quite often the financial situation was leading them into certain <coughs> areas whereby marriage breakdown was a consequence of the pressure and the stress that they were under because of the, fa- the, the financial difficulties that they were ex- experiencing. So with citizens or with, with the, the insolvency service and the knock-on effect from our, our, our contacts, say with the MABS and with the IMHO and FLAC who are out there dealing with people um, experiencing these difficulties, We found that the information that we had provided for the first year in our service was too complex, It was too complicated. It didn't really hit the nail on the head. And so we engaged on an information um, campaign. And the information campaign basically explains our debt solutions. And our debt solutions are, before you get to bankruptcy, there are three insolvency solutions available to people. A debt relief notice, a debt settlement arrangement, and a personal insolvency arrangement. And I'll go through each of those and what they are and what their criteria is for, for individuals out there and how they can access them. Well, basically we found, although there was evidence or there was uh, media attention that would say that people were going to put themselves into debt, we haven't found any evidence of that whatsoever. There's a lack of hope out there, and there's a lack of people being able to kind of take responsibility for the debt situation that they're in because it's just too heavy and it's too difficult to carry. So it's easier to hide away from it than it is to deal with it. And I suppose what our service would do is we'd say, it's actually, now is the right time to start dealing with your death situation because it's never gonna go away if you don't deal with it. So we'd be saying, well, it is a a difficult thing to take on board at the minute, but if you don't deal with it, it just gets worse. So why put it off and why put it uh, into the drawer, uh, which is what people were doing. So we we have now developed some uh, brochures which basically explain what it is our service offers. So it explains what it is the ISI does and the ISI is basically the the uh, statutory element of the legislation whereby the applications are made through us and we pass those applications onto court. We verify that the information in there is correct and we verify that the, 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 the insolvency situation for the individual is correct. And that they get sent onto court and a judge then makes a deliberation with regard to whatever arrangement that you're going to go through. But people didn't understand that, so they saw ISI, government independent body, as the government. So it went against us. And um, they saw insolvency for corporations, not for individuals. So again, that went against us because our name is the Insolvency Service. So it doesn't, it doesn't sound like we're appealing to the ordinary man in the street. when really, that's what our service is about. We've also developed um, a debtor's guide, and in the debtor's guide, it explains. Um, where individuals can go for more information. So yeah, they can go onto our website which is backontrack.ie, but they can contact a local um, personal insolvency practitioner in their area or an approved intermediary through MABS or the IMHO who will give them advice on how to deal with their own particular situation. We have a helpline as well. So if somebody will be able to get more information and just go through look, my situation is XYZ, which one of these Solution should I be going for? So if you have a mortgage, there's one that, that you ideally should go for. If your debt is less than twenty thousand, there's one that you should go for. So we can steer you in a particular direction initially on the information, but then you need to go to a professional who's qualified and recognised by the ISI in your area who will help you deal with it. So part of our problem was that people hid away from the debt and people didn't want might know about it. Um, and in our information campaign initially we went out to deal with um, the, 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 the agencies who deal with people coming in looking at debt <coughs> and what we found was we're a little bit too far away so we need to make our information more accessible. So we embarked on some local information and the local information was around if you yourself are, are experiencing debt or if you have a friend or a family member or a neighbour that you know you've had a cup of coffee with and they're going I just can't deal with this anymore. Um, that you you know come along to these information sessions and at least let us provide some examples of what it is goes through our service so you can actually identify with it or identify with an individual that you know who would be experiencing those situations so one of our cases called a debt relief notice and in the debt relief notice if you have debt under 20,000 if you don't have a mortgage so um, local authority housing or private rented accommodation you can actually get a debt relief notice which will deal with your debt up to 20,000. Now, there are reasonable living expenses which are now recognised across the creditors and across all of the institutions at this stage that the ISI has developed. They were produced the guidelines, but they're actually fixed into the system now. So, all of our basic level of, I and mean, it, it, it's not um, luxury living which is, is you know, obviously, uh, if, you're, if you're in debt, you can't afford to have luxury living anyway. But you don't have to deal with things where people are saying, the bank is telling me I can't have Sky anymore. The bank is telling me I should be cutting down on my cigarettes. Nobody has the right to kind of tell you how you should live your life. But if there's a recognized basic standard of living, how you spend your money then is up to you. But the disposable income after that ideally should be going to pay for your debts. So this is where we come to an agreement. And actually, everybody has bought into the reasonable standards of living. Some banks are giving a little bit more than them, but certainly none are giving less with regard to any of the, the solutions that are so for debt relief notice, if you've unsecured debts uh, that are less than 20,000, if you don't have a mortgage or you don't own a property like a large asset, uh, if you've had a disposable income of less than 60 euro a month, and people say, oh, 60 euro a month, so that's a tiny amount of money, and it is a small amount of money, but what we found with our cases coming in is, especially people who are reliant on social welfare or on the basic minimum wage, people are living well below those, the, 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 those re- reasonable living standards anyway. So the 60 euro month is kind of neither here nor there because once you hit the reasonable living expenses and you have that or a little bit more, well, you'd be eligible for one of these solutions. So for a debt relief notice, you need to contact an approved intermediary. And currently the IMHO and MABS are offering that service to debtors out there. When you go along, you meet with somebody, they go through what your financial situation is, they have a look at all of your debts, they prove what your debts are, and they make an application to the ISI on your behalf. Your protection from your creditors kicks in straight away because once your debt relief notice is in place, your creditors don't contact you anymore because your debt is written off. If they do contact you, you come back to the ISI and you let them know, and we will deal with the creditors and remind them of their obligations under the legislation. So the case here of a man who's 55, he's divorced, he's unemployed, and he has one child. Um, the reasonable living ex- expenses take into account the amount of rent that he has to pay as well, but his monthly income because he is dependent on social welfare is €1,053 that plus his rent gives him a reasonable living expense of €1,731 but he's obviously €678 below the reasonable living expenses because he's dependent on social welfare but he has debts of €14,500 and he's never going to be able to pay those back really, realistically so that's where the debt relief notice comes into play and it comes in it negotiates with the banks, it says to the banks, right, this is where the cutoff off is. You now cannot chase that individual for that money. That might be able to, Bank of Ireland, Allied Irish, utility companies, phone companies, they all, the, the line is, is drawn there. So for three, year, for three years, the individual is in the supervisory period, where if their financial circumstances change by a certain amount, then contact the ISI, and we arrange for a certain amount to be paid over to their creditors. To their up to 50% of that, so for this case it would be maybe seven and a half thousand if his circumstances got significantly better. We've had, I think, three or four cases now at this stage where the individual has managed to get a job, and certainly one chap was able to clear off his 50% of his debt within three or four months. Uh, We would have had an individual where a parent or a family member was able to give them, say, the seven and a half grand to pay off that debt, so that's it and the supervisory period is over, and they're clean and solvent again. So they don't have to have this burden over them of credit card companies contacting them how many times a day or how many times in the middle of the night, uh, phone companies or utility companies being out to them as well. Our next uh, solution is a debt, is debt settlement arrangement. And so the debt settlement arrangement is for um, unsecured debt of over 20,000. So again, credit card companies Utility companies, uh, personal loans, um, higher purchase loans, that, that, y- that there's still amounts outstanding but the significant amount has been paid already. So th- there's no security there for, for, for anything to be sold off so that they can be paid back. Here you would contact a personal insolvency practitioner and there are currently 170 personal sol- insolvency practitioners around the country they're regulated by um, the insolvency service and they're authorised by the insolvency service. So they've had to make an application and they've had to go through a number of hoops to get that authorisation and to be able to practise as a personal Insolvency Practitioner. They are solicitors, accountants, and people of uh, a certain kind of qualification in the background. So uh, what happens is that they will negotiate with creditors on your behalf. Um, Once they get to a certain level, they can apply for a, a protective cert. The protective cert has been there for 70 days and in those 70 days your creditors are not allowed to contact you anymore. That's a 70 day period where the personal solvency practitioner negotiates on your behalf what your payment arrangement will be with your creditors at the end of the day. So your bank can't contact you, they can't phone you, they can't send you uh, letters or emails because at the end of the day their obligations under the legislation mean that they have to abide by the protective cert being in place. And do those practitioners have a flat fee or what how do their fees work? Their fees vary. So uh, some practitioners charge an upfront fee of anywhere between 150 and 200 euro where you would go in and you go through what your initial um, situation is and they say look yes actually there is an arrangement that will suit you or you really don't need to go down the insolvency area you could go a different route and they could help you maybe do some debt management in those areas as well. And um, then over the course of your arrangement so A debt settlement arrangement will be in place for five years. Over the course of the arrangement, there's an amount of money paid in to the pot, basically, where your creditors are paid out and your PIP would get the fee out of that as well. So they vary with with regard to the fees that they do charge, and their fees are usually based on the amount of money involved in the whole arrangement, rather than we're just going to charge two and a half grand, or we're just going to charge five grand, or we're going to charge six grand. It depends on maybe what your arrangement is. So we have a situation where we have a male here, and he's 39. His debts, he has a, he has a principal private residence. So the, the good thing about the DSA is you can do a negotiation around your, your house so it doesn't have to be involved in the debt settlement arrangement. Because the debt settlement arrangement is purely looking at your unsecured debts, purely looking at your credit card loans or your personal loans that are not secured in your house. And you could do an arrangement whereby, in this situation, the debtor's mortgage repayments were suspended for six months, so the, the prime creditor allowed for no mortgage repayments to be made, so that this individual could pay a certain amount of their unsecured debt, so that their unsecured debt, now it's not paid down altogether, but there's a certain amount to it that would be paid down. Um, this allowed him to pay a dividend to his unsecured creditors. After six months, his, mo- his mortgage repayments recommenced on an interest-only basis, again, so a reduced amount of dividend was able to be paid out to his unsecured creditors. And they continued to pay that um, for another six months. So that was their, their unsecured debt- creditors dealt with. And in this case, his unsecured creditors were to the tune of 33,000 euro. Um, his private, is his, his PPR, so his house, was worth 154,000, but his mortgage was 275,000. Mm-hmm. So it's a way of dealing with those debts that are um, some because you're literally paying Pieces of, um, if you pay only the interest off your credit card, you're never going to pay your credit card. But you don't realise that when you kind of think, you know, I'm doing a bit, I'm doing a bit, I'm keeping the wolf from the door. But that doesn't solve your situation. So here's a way of negotiating with your creditors. And you get out of that space of being under pressure with them to be able to actually get somebody else who's qualified in that area to negotiate on your behalf. So you're not dealing with it anymore. Um, then we move on to the... the uh, personal sovereignty arrangement so the personal sovereignty arrangement is, is a solution for people with unmanageable debts including their mortgages um, so this is debt up to two and a half million if you go over two and a half million you've got to go to another court currently we uh, mo- most of our cases are dealt with by the circuit court if they go over two and a half million they move to the high court but it's still the same procedure and it's still the same legislation and it's still the same activity that has to happen so again you would meet with a personal sovereignty practitioner he or she would take into account all of your debts, your, your mortgage, your secured, your unsecured, um, even you know loans to family or friends that, that, that you've borrowed from families or friends. They can also be taken into this with regard to how do I, how do I ensure that people are going to get a fair factor at the whip rather than overpaying somebody to the detriment of your, of your arrangement that could be in place. So in this example, I have um, Mary Kluppock, who um, have two children. They're both employed. Um, their debt is to the tune of so they have a, a, a principal private residence worth 145,000, and they have two loans on it, um, which are 129 plus 34. So do the maths on that. I'm not right. 150, 160,000 on on their PPR. And um, this is what they call an interlocking case. So the common the common debt that these people have together is a PPR and what happened here was the debtor um, the, their PIA lasts for 72 months and over the course of the PIA they were able to pay back about 50 thousand five hundred off their debts and so that dealt with their secured debt and their unsecured debt and the negotiation that happens between the secured and the unsecured creditors is the unsecured creditors get less and that's when you do the maths and it all ends up because they took a risk on you by not having security around what it is they lent you, they actually don't get as much back as those who are secured. So the the individuals in this case are are, are dealing with a situation where they stay in their own home, they get the pressure of the unsecured debt off them. It is over a six-year period, so it's, you know, it's not a short time, but it also then is... In, it, it, because some of our, our dealings with, with debtors were, I want to be able to pay back my debt. I don't want to just write it all off because... Then you kind of feel like you are that strategic <coughs> defaulter. We don't want to do that, and that's fine, and, and you wouldn't want to encourage people to go down that road. So, this is a way of saying, well, you are still paying your debt down. It's restructured. Yes, yeah. a certain amount of it is written off. And we have yeah. potential where thirty or 40,000 is written off because at the end of the day, it's unpayable anyway. So, the banks have to take their hit. And we have a calculation whereby, with a PIA or a, de- or a DSA, if the dividend is more, in the arrangement than it is for a bankruptcy when you do the bankruptcy calculation it makes much more sense for the banks to go with an arrangement because at the end of the day their stu- their, their shareholders are getting more back out of an arrangement than what they would do in a bankruptcy and we're finding now uh, where we've been able to get the the pips to give us the details around which creditors are voting for and which are voting against, and who are just saying no to an arrangement whereby the dividend is better in an arrangement, we can now put, begin to publicise that information because we actually have that detail there. So where a bank is just saying a blanket no, that information will be available in the next month or so, which banks are doing what kind of business out there. So those are the three arrangements that are in place. the a debt relief notice for the unsecured debt under 20,000, a debt settlement arrangement for the unsecured debt over 20,000 and a personal solvency arrangement which will deal with your secured and unsecured debt up to 3 million. We then have bankruptcy and bankruptcy is very topical at the moment out there um, and bankruptcy has always been a, a, an area of how does it all work and <coughs> up until recently there wasn't any real detail or real clear detail around how bankruptcy works. So on our, our website, backontrack.ie, we do now have a, a book that explains how bankruptcy works. And I won't go through it all now, I mean it's, but it's, it's written much clearer terminology compared to what was, out, what was available re- up, up until recently. So bankruptcy deals with the family home, they deal with income payment orders, and um, there's been some changes recently in bankruptcy. So the cost of bankruptcy to the individual, the debtor, has been reduced significantly. It's gone down from €1,400 Euro to €270. Euro. And that's basically because people can now advertise their bankruptcy on our website rather than having to take out an ad in the national newspapers, which is what they used to have to do. Um, the uh, official assignee has recently um, been given access to the national vehicle and drivers file to assist in his vest- investigations with regard to bankruptcy estates. So that whole thing of them being able to hide cars or that—that's not available anymore because we actually have the Paris to kind of move into that area as well. The bankruptcy division uh, within ISI, it's now restructured itself where we had uh, the bankruptcy uh, before they came into ISI, they were dealing with kind of six or eight or ten cases a year. We're now up to something like um, 448 new cases since they came became part of the ISI and 157 new cases <coughs> just this year, so the bankruptcy cases are going up. There's a lot of media chat out there about, you know, reducing bankruptcy from three years to one year. That's a discussion that's happening elsewhere, so we, we, we'll see kind of the outcome of that at, at the minute. And then what is the, what's the knock-on effect of having that many bankruptcies um, in an environment as small as, uh, although Ireland sales, like a great big place when you're talking about hundreds of thousands of people being in debt, it's actually a small environment what the knock-on effect of that is. If you go to the UK, bankruptcies are in their thousands, <coughs> possessions are in their thousands, whereas Ireland obviously we're a much smaller fish uh, in that big pond. So the, the, the official assignee will take into account um, the, the reasonable living expenses so when they are doing their payment attachment orders uh, they take into account what your reasonable living expenses should be before they attach any, any order to you. Um, in a situation we have a male who's uh, married with two children and still in employment. Um, his own secured debts are personal loans or credit cards. Um, 50% of his PPR is sold to his wife for €5,000, so they get to hang on to their home because she can service the, the 50% of the mortgage that's left. Um, he gets to keep his car and you know, small amount of, um, of uh, they say, reasonable um, expenses around household items, but they're the same across all of the, the, the uh, insolvency arrangements. He has to pay um, a payment order of €110 Euro per month over five years. So he's paying back six and a half grand. Um, but at the end, it'll be solvent, and he has a clear credit rating with regard to, yes, he has a bankruptcy in the background, but he doesn't have the desktop that would it off. Um, once he continues to engage well with the bankruptcy officials and he doesn't mess about with this case, his payment order will be open in three years rather than in five years. It's more when people start to hide things or shift assets around the place where the uh, official assignee will say, hold on, we're gonna extend uh, what it is this individual should be paying
1: on the payment order.
0: So that's the situation with regard to the insolvency sales and the insolvency solutions that are out there. And I think maybe what's what's not known is the, 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 the smaller the smaller individuals approach to what their debt is like 500 grand worth of debt to me and you is a massive amount of money but to individuals that you read in the newspaper more recently 500,000 euros is not a whole lot of money but where it affects an individual who can't sleep at night who is you know on medication and, and, and going down you know very dark depression it's a significant amount to that individual so that's where we're saying the insolvency solutions are available and the support so you're not doing this stuff on your own where quite often when you're dealing with your debt in your own home, it's just you and sometimes not even your husband or your wife knows how much stress you're under or quite often how much debt you're in because a lot of the debt is hidden. So it's a way of trying to encourage people to engage with the process and at least lift the phone or look at the website and say, back on track.ie, what is there and what's there for me or what's there for a family member or
1: what's there for a friend. Those are the kinds of bits of information that i any questions? Uh, can Sorry. I just say um, Amanda has brought along lots and lots of her very good literature, and there's plenty available for all of you to take away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have a question arising from an article in Today's Independent um, where Mr. Boyle of the Land League is quoted as saying that the courts are no use to 70% of the people with mortgages because they've been sold by the banks to subprime lenders or vulture funds quoting him on that. Mm-hmm. He also says a lot of people commit suicide because they've been thrown out of their phones. Mm-hmm. Can you enlighten us on is he correct on that?
0: Well um e- even if the, the the debt has been bought <coughs> over by another fund manager, it's still the debt and the debt can still be brought into a personal sovereignty arrangement. So that
1: So you can negotiate not just with the banks but with whoever's Absolutely, yeah. the debt.
0: whoever now has a new debt, that's who the people negotiate with. And Irish even if law they're is what? It, it's Irish law. That yeah. Fed, yeah even if they're yeah, so Not we, have, we have creditors outside of the country that have bought books in, in this country and they're, they're still uh, brought into the, the arrangements.
1: Wonder, could you comment on the suicides? I mean, it is
0: some of the, some of the information that we've found in our articles or in our, re- our, our, our research wouldn't necessarily have dealt with the people dealing with suicides, but certainly very heavy depression. Um, and, and then the whole relationship break down, the pressures that people are under. So you, we, read the articles like you do, that somebody did commit suicide because they are under that, that, that level of pressure. And I suppose that's where one of those things is. Some of our callbacks, or our, our, where, where we get um, a, a request for a callback on our website is the middle of the night, you know, is the weekend. So they're the people that you would hope. Please you know, encourage them to pick up the phone, and just at least go and talk to somebody about what your situation is. Because there is a solution, and bankruptcy might not be your most favorite option, but it may be the solution at the end of the day, which, as, as one of our debtors said, I'd rather be on the insolvency register than the RIP list. Yeah. So, yes, there are solutions out there. For people.
2: Um, you, ma- you mentioned that some figures will become available in the, in the next, some information will become available in the next month so mm-hmm. about what, about what banks are... are behaving in what way. Will that be in the form of a press release or will we need to be asking you, um, your press officer?
0: Um, you, you could certainly contact our press office, but by all accounts our statistics are going to be um, produced, I think at the end of, of April we usually produce them, um, and in that will be our first um, report on, on the outcome of where the cases have been voted for or against, especially in, in comparison to insolvency and bankruptcy
2: and do you think this I mean is this stuff about vulture funds is that um being a bit alarmist
0: I think there's there's a lot of the unknowns especially in relation to vulture funds and finance groups and you know a lot of the debt even that's out there is messy debt because it's not easily trackable so I think people don't necessarily know well who is my lender at the end of the day whether or not they're going to be more aggressive around repossessions, it's, it's hard to know maybe. We're seeing a little bit more of that in, in the courts more recently, and that's because of the changes in the legislation after, after the McCann trial and, and the done dispute that was sorted out. So you will see more of that anyway, but whether it's totally related to vulture funds or venture capitalists um, or whether it's related to the fact that people have come to the end of their tether. So we're, where we were finding that people were handing their keys back you're handed the keys back thinking the debt was gone, but the debt's not gone. Because if you hand your keys back and your, your, your debt is 250000 and the bank sell your house for 100000 you still have 150000 that's your debt. Yeah. It works that way in America,
1: but not mm-hmm. over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could I ask you about the, the reasonable standards, the fiscal yeah. living expenses? Could you just, in round figures, say what they would be for a single person? Yeah, so um,
0: in, in, in one of my examples, I think, so for an individual who is on social welfare, see, the, the, that's the thing, the social welfare figures would not be the same as the reasonable standard of living figures. Social welfare figures are actually less. So our reasonable standard of living, for an individual, say male, living on his own, but would have responsibility for a child here, here, um, is about 930 euro a month amount of we child and then they could yeah. add
1: to that their housing costs we've
0: actually got so 153 is uh, a male divorced so unemployed with it, one child in secondary school now the amount for the children varies depending on the age of the child and what level of schooling mm-hmm. they're in um, and the amount of uh, because it's more expensive maybe to have a teenager than oh, it is okay. to have a five year old so yeah. you kind of t- you take that into account our reasonable living expenses have been done in conjunction with the Vincentian partners mm-hmm. and their Vincentian calculator which allows for partaking in your community, so it allows you know the certain amount put aside for socialising, the certain amount put aside for you know I think there's about fifty euro a month uh, saving. Now people can't necessarily manage to save that, but when the Vincentians did their calculations, they did it based on that. Um, so for for one individual with with response, some responsibility for for a child going to secondary school, you're looking at one thousand and fifty three euro and then whatever their re- rent is on top of that. Oh if they have special circumstances, if they have a medical expense, or if their child has a medical ex- expense, there's also an allowance for that too, but they would have to kind of prove that that's, yeah, that's reasonable. That's fair. And
1: yeah. um, would these figures be available online somewhere? They're available
0: on our website, okay. so um, th- if you go in and have a look at the reasonable living
1: guidelines on our website, you can see them there. Uh, what, one Last question, on the debt relief notice, so you've got somebody with debts that are under 20,000, yeah. but they, do, they don't they do have a mortgage, they do own their own house, would it be said to them, oh, you could sell your house and trade down and pay off your debts that way?
0: If they had, uh, if they own their own house and they have debts of 20,000, you wouldn't be eligible for go- to go for a DRN Okay. because automatically your asset would knock you out, but you would be eligible to go for a DSA and you'd, you'd have a negotiation
2: then, to be yeah. OK. I'm curious as to how often we're coming across uh, reckless lending on, on behalf of the financial institution, where they lend money to somebody who clearly couldn't pay it back.
0: For us, we wouldn't necessarily be investigating that element of it. So the PIP would have a lot more detail around how the individual managed to get the debt that they managed to get themselves into, and what negotiations were done with the banks at that stage, they would have more of that information than what we what we would have. We have what we get is the, the the outcome of what somebody's situation is at the minute. So we wouldn't necessarily be commenting on reckless lending, although you know it could be a policy issue that that kind of might come down the road at us eventually, and we might have to do some. Um, analysis of some of our stats that we've
2: got in there. I think quite often it's the uh, the focus is on the borrower that they borrowed recklessly, whereas in actual fact, but like the professional in that equation is a financial institution, and the onus is on them mm-hmm. to investigate and, and you know quantify
0: the risk and the ability for the borrower to pay back. Exactly. I mean, that, I, I suppose that's where just the negotiation that the PIP can do with regard to getting a certain amount of debt written down. And so making payments more affordable is probably the bank taking a little bit of that responsibility, but kind of not necessarily ever officially ever saying, we should never have lent this individual in the of
2: uh, uh, if, if you're a borrower and uh, your debt is sold to a vulture fund, are you, a, have you any entitlement to be told to who who now is your mortgage lender?
0: I'd, I'd hope, well, I, I suppose, from my maybe my own personal experience, I would hope that you would have. Because you should see some kind of correspondence between one lender and another, or whoever it is, is managing the debt, to at least be told that <coughs> this, this individual is now, this company is now managing a debt rather than yeah, but us. It's the new
2: company. In my own case, it was the new company. So they said, yeah. hello, we have bought your debt. And uh, I simply said, well, good luck. I don't any consent it it,
0: is, so. yeah. Hmm. I mean, that, 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 I, I suppose that that's all done in their contracts and their terminology. At the end of the day, if they've bought the book, they've bought the
1: book.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you
1: don't really have a choice who you owe money to, no. basically. Yeah. Can
2: they impose additional restrictions on you? Squeeze you for more?
0: I don't know if they can, because your contract is your original contract.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so exactly. it, oh, but obviously, if you have a variable interest mortgage, then they can look the variable, yes.
2: Well, we can remain a very hungry vulture if you don't pay. Mm -hmm.
0: Could you just call out your website? Yes, it's backontrack.ie. And there's some personal stories. So individuals who have actually been through our system, then there's stories on there. um, and we're we're about to put some more on in relation to debt We know this is in bankruptcy as well. So, and all of our material is available there too. Right.
1: Can I just ask? Sorry, yeah. you may not be able to answer this. It's kind of post going through. Say, you know, your 20 grand plus into a mortgage, mm-hmm. and you've you've gone through the system, and you're now three years or whatever on the other side, and your credit rating is clearly in the toilet during all that period. And mm-hmm. um, is there Within the legislation or post that, is there anything that kind of protects you to get kind of up and running again in terms of, you know, loans again or credit rating again or back on a good keel with the banks?
0: Well, one, I, I suppose we're, we're at a bit of a, a disadvantage in this country that we don't have a central credit rating agency. Right. Um, one of the more well-known ones out there is the ICB, mm-hmm. but it's not necessarily always up to date with all of the loans that are in place. So they've scored you anyway. And I know that they keep their credit. Theirs is a five-year period. So when you make your last payment, or when your last payment is due on your loan, it takes five years for that to go off the books. So that the creditors can go in and have a look at that, and they can see what your credit history is like. So that's what a lot of the banks base their credit history and their risk on. Um, If we look at what happens in the UK, People do start getting loans again. They do start getting credit again, whether it's one years or two years after their arrangement has gone through, depending on the creditor. But what I, it's hard to know because you're predicting into the future sure. what way the banks are going to deal with you as with regard to your risk levels in those areas. But they may impose a higher interest rate for somebody who's had one of the insolvency arrangements in place. I don't, won't know that for another kind of year or two. We're not that Yeah. You know? Okay.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Could I just give in a plug here for another financial service and I'm doing it because I'm involved with it and it's not as well known as it could be. Um, most citizens' information centres have a service called CAVA which stands, stands for Chartered Accountants' Voluntary Advice and it's run on a voluntary basis by chartered accountants mm-hmm. and we would advise on a wide range of things, there's no means test. Um, at all. Uh, I think we give very good service, it might cover couple of people who are self-employed and struggling, um, pensioners and p- pensions are liable for tax, which some people don't realise until it's too late. Um, we have all kinds of people coming in and as I say, it, I run the one in Rat Mines, but most Citizens information centres have one. It's normally one evening a month. Rat Mines is unusual because it's also available in the day. Um, there are quite a lot of services out there to deal with financial problems and as Amanda said sometimes it's difficult for people to accept that they need it and they need to do something about it now so it would be great if you could all write about these things pass on the information to people you may know who, who may need it now don't forget Amanda has lots and lots of leaflets are they with, at the back of the desk. Down. they're on the desk down there so thank you very much, Ms. Amanda, for You're coming. Welcome. I must remind members there is a branch meeting starting at four thirty. I don't think it'll be going on for too long. I don't know if I can commit myself to drinks on the NUJ afterwards. I don't think I can. <laughs> <but> <laughs> <laughs> by drinks
2: with the NUJ. <laughs> oh,
1: sorry. A verbal slip. Um do you want to wrap up the day? Uh, well, so, um Joe handled the whole day, got up, put all the speakers together,
2: and does a wonderful job. Yeah, very good. Uh, despite that, there are lots of other people to thank. Uh, Seamus, Julie, who came in this morning to open up the proceedings. Uh, Kieran Fagan, Enid, Mary, who chaired some of the sessions along with me. Uh, all our speakers: Peter Feeney, Gareth Straw, Colin Francesca, Kevin Ross. Uh, Tom and Amanda, uh, the BAI, whose funding are going to help make this uh, possible, continuing into the future, as well as the NUJ itself. All of you who are members, without whose funds every year also, this would not be possible. And all of you who come here today er, and, and to all of these events, because without them, there'd be no point in doing them. And it's your feedback and your contributions that they can work well. Uh, On that note, the next event, you can mark your calendars now, is on Monday, the 19th of October. I have no idea what it will feature, apart from the fact that there will be one or two or maybe three commissioning editors at some point during the day who will tell you what exactly they're looking for. Outside of that, really don't have a clue. If there's anything that you want to see or that you would like to see at that event, let me know, drop me a line, email me and we'll, we'll see if we can organise a speaker on it. I've already been given a couple of suggestions today in conversations with people, any more of those would be appreciated as well. I know that some of you have come a long way, I've met people from Cork, Belfast and Galway today. Some of you I know have to leave early. Those of you who can hang around a bit, in about 15 minutes or so I'll be adjourning to the bar if any of you fancy a chat and a pint. If you've got to go home, drive safely, I'll go really to to you. If you're hanging around, I'll see you shortly.